Well, thank you for that. Uh, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Cod Cabin, the only Massachusetts podcast where we have a later schedule than the commuter rail. I'm Adam Bass. Joining me, as always, is Jesse Hahn, Jack Leary, and Logan Rabe. And tonight, we are doing, once again, another update on the Boston mayoral race. This election will be to replace, uh, or excuse me, to originally was supposed to be the successor to Marty Walsh, but as he was picked to be the labor secretary, uh, acting mayor Kim Janey has taken the post, and now... She is up for re-election, or pre-election, if you will, and it will take place on September on um, <clears throat> September 14th, 2021. The main six candidates are John Barrasos, the former Chief of Economic Development of Boston, Andrea Campbell, the Boston City Council from the 4th District, Kim Janey, the Acting Mayor of Boston, Anissa Asabli-George, the Boston City Councilor at Large from Dorchester, John Santiago, Massachusetts State's Representative, and Michelle Wu, Boston City Councilor at Large. Now. Jesse, I want to start with you. Um, when we first looked at this race, you and I, you in particularly, said that Janie was the favorite. But now, after a couple months, you're starting to reassess that? I do think I am having some second thoughts about Janie, but looking at, um, we, we've gotten a smattering of polls so far. Janie hasn't led in any of them, but she has considerably strong support among African-Americans. She's pulling um, a third, I think a, a poll yesterday showed her pulling a third of African-Americans um, and African-Americans were um, the most likely to be undecided. So I think those um, undecided voters will ultimately break um, hard for the incumbent. So I think that'll be um, of great benefit to her. I don't think people are tuned into the race yet. Maybe um, once we get polling numbers in late August, um, we'll have a better idea of where the mayor stands. And and just to clarify, what, what what's making you hesitate about Janie now? You know, I, I I think I expected her to pull ahead of the pack, just as acting mayor. That's, but you know, she's not at a bad place right now. She's not. Um, she's. A strong second or a strong third. Um, it's not a bad place for someone who doesn't hold state of citywide office to be. Yeah, and just kind of going off that, you know, we got, we got our third poll of the race yesterday, and it was the first one where Kim Janey was in third place. Uh, and it was also the first one where Michelle Wu wasn't leading. Um, it was kind of, I think, a shock result for a lot of people uh, showing Councilwoman Asaibi George in first place. But as Jesse said, you know, Kim Janey is pulling remarkable numbers with African-American voters and 35% of them were undecided in that poll. But I also wanted to draw attention to one of the questions they asked, which was about policing. Uh, and the electorate was split nearly 50-50 uh, in that poll as to whether or not they supported uh, reallocating money in that budget towards um, you know, social services or not. And Anissa Saibi George's uh, supporters overwhelmingly backed it in that poll. 81 or opposed it. 81% of voters, you know, did uh, that supported Asabi George did not want to uh, reallocate funds from the police, while the majority of African American voters and the majority of Kim Janey voters did. So I, I think I just want to agree with Jesse's point. The polling might not reflect it yet, but I still do think that Kim Janey is going to be in a very strong position once we get closer to election day, because every day. Um, we move forward is another day that Kim Janey has a much bigger platform than all the other candidates as the acting mayor of Boston. 
Yeah, and what I find interesting is I'm looking at the predicted betting market here, and they actually still have Michelle Wu in first place with 51 cents for uh, on the dollar, and then Kim Janey in second with 29 cents, and Asabi George in third with 16 cents, despite the fact that she just topped that poll, uh, still in third on the betting markets. Uh, I think Michelle Wu is, is very overpriced here. Uh, what do you all think? Well, well, for one, I think you better be careful because Predicta is not my go-to when it comes to, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Um, I think the that market is seeing a Michelle Wu as the only one who truly has the progressive lane because, um, you know, uh, uh, Andrea Campbell has tried to make inroads as the racial justice progressive candidate, as Jack said in an off-record conversation, not off-record, uh, online conversation between him and I and the rest of the group. Um but Michelle Wu has like was defined as the progressive voice, so I can understand why Predicted is thinking that. But you know, I I, I don't like Predict It personally. I think it's very silly. <laughs> but you know, I want I want to hear what you have, what you guys think. I think Predict It is obviously very online oriented. Um, it's centered around people um, who are, to, to use a Twitter term, terminally online. Um, so just. Just going off of that, um, you know, I think if you if you're on Twitter, you see Michelle Wu supporters all the time. I don't think I've encountered a Kim Janey supporter out in the wild, aside from Kim Janey herself. Like on um, Twitter or in real life? Out in the wild on Twitter. Okay, okay. So, I was... <laughs> it's just like I don't know if you guys have, but I think basically all the online support I've seen is centered around. Um, Michelle Wu, but obviously the situation on the ground is probably quite different. Um, maybe a bit of a controversial opinion. I mean, I don't think that Michelle Wu, I, I don't think she's overvalued um, on this betting market, even though she's so highly favored. Not because I think she's necessarily the favorite to win, but I, I definitely think she has the highest odds of any candidate of making it to the second round um, by far. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you have like mm -hmm. the lower tier of candidates, um, you know, John Santiago, John Barros, and even Andrea Campbell at this point, who just kind of lack the support to break into that third round, mm -hmm. uh, that second round, rather, sorry. Sorry. And, right. you know, you have uh, Kim Janey and Anissa Saibi George kind of, you know, in a new development, slugging it out to make it into this top three. But I think Michelle Wu, as Adam said, is very consistently occupied her own lane. Um, and I, I think that definitely benefits her definitely in the first round. So I, I think a lot of that speculation um, boosting Michelle Wu in the betting markets, which as everyone else has said, are obviously unscientific, um, is definitely just because of those odds partially. And I, I would definitely um, take that not necessarily as a bet to cash out on election day, but maybe one to let ride a little higher when she makes it to the second round and then cash out. Not saying I'm doing that, but that's Jack, you're I not old enough to gamble, man. <laughs> um, but you know, it does remind me of of the past two elections that we saw uh, in 2020 and 2021. That being where the moderate candidate took the whole lane to themselves and didn't let anyone else occupy it. That being Jake Auchincloss in Massachusetts four and Jeff Turco in, Su in Suffolk nineteen. I think, and and this could prove wrong. I think that Wu has successfully managed to occupy the progressive lane herself. Um, I know that Kim Janey and, and Jesse, you said this before, she has a, uh, a progressive aesthetic going on. 
but I don't really think she fits into the true blue progressive, uh, ultra progressive that uh, Michelle Wu is. Yeah, I, I think looking at Kim Janey's background, um, you know, as someone um, working in that community, I think she's she is the black Boston voter. She's not that progressive, not that moderate. She's riding in the center lane. She's she's boring. All right, she's a boring <laughs> generic but, Democrat. But dude, did you see that pitch she gave at Fenway? How can you call that boring? Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> point proven. Yeah, just obviously everyone, maybe aside from Masabi George, is is trying to get that progressive aesthetic, and I think we've seen that in races across the country in these past few years. But you know, I I don't know how to describe it, but when I just look at a candidate, read about their history, and I just I think I know when they're when they're just faking it. Yeah, and I, I think we can say that because Michelle Wu is really one of the only candidates in this race that has that has had a brand before this election. You know, Michelle Wu isn't just someone who showed up with progressive campaign branding. You know, she's been the one who's been city council president already. She's the one who's been fighting for Free the Tea for years. Um, and, you know, she's been a very, a very vocal advocate for progressive causes in Boston in the past few years. And she's also been a very vocal critic of Charlie Baker that has gotten her, you know, um, name recognition and notoriety, not just in Boston, but around Boston. So I, I think she, because she isn't the only one that's trying to occupy the progressive lane, um, you know, as Jesse just said, Andrea Campbell is also making a pretty, a pretty big claim for those, uh, a lot of the same voters. But I think she just has the benefit of having walked the walk these past few years. That's, that's what's really allowing her to, to occupy that lane by herself. I think going back to Janie, though, uh, she did get in the news recently about with the city employees um, and wanting them to, I believe, return back in person and not having the child care options. And it was quite, it was quite a, uh, a problem there. So I wonder, how do, you, how do you think this is going to affect the race? Well, you know, a, a scandal only works, or, or a negative development only works if you keep it dragging along and along and along. So it's on, so, you know, if I were a candidate, I would say, ooh, you know, this is, this is political opposition. I'm going to keep dragging it along and along and along. Um, this has gotten some backlash, not only online, but for what I can hear, reporting also on the ground in Boston. Many reporters are trying to talk to Janie about it, and she's kind of brushing them off right now. Um, she Janie really wants to talk more about um, the uh, former Boston police chief. Uh, I think it's white. I, I'm, I, it's, it's either white or gross. It's white, yes. And, that is white, yes. Yes. And she really wants to talk about that and the so and the racial justice part of her uh, <clears throat> of her career, but you know, childcare is also part of racial justice, especially for those who don't have the income for childcare. And the reason you apply to these jobs is to help provide for your child. So, in all honesty, I, I do think it's going to be a question brought up at the next debate, whenever that's going to be. Um, and, you know, if, if the other candidates are smart, I think they'll probably make uh, some noise about it. Yeah, and, and Michelle Wu, you know, to return to her again, is already making an issue with this. Um, all oh, really? day, her Twitter feed has been retweets. You know, she posted a video about her childcare plan, and she posted, uh, she retweeted a more direct attack that someone else made, saying that, you know, it was pretty, um, 
pretty shoddy for City Hall to do that, uh, to put it in, in lighter terms. Mm. So I, I definitely think that, you know, it's going to become an issue in the candidate sphere, but it's just going to be a question, obviously, of making that salient to regular voters. I think this, this controversy um, underscores the benefits Janie has as acting mayor and the drawbacks. She's the only one in the race who has to run a government at this moment. And, you know, she's going to have to deal with this Dennis White issue, um, which is extremely potent. It could blow up in her face anytime. I think she'll end up dismissing him because that's pretty much the only politically defensible thing to do. Um, but then she'll have to appoint a new police, temporary police commissioner. And, you know, a lot of things could go wrong there. So, um, well, Jesse, I would say it blows up for her if the the Marty Walsh um, controversy like blows up and more secrets come out. Obviously, that's a very touchy subject. And I think we're going to save that for another episode. Um, but I, I, that could be uh, that could tie Boston into national news and that could get pretty ugly. Yeah, and I think some of the other candidates are already trying to make that happen, talking really? about how we need to move on from the past eight years, um, just t trying to tie Tim, Kim Janey to the Walsh administration. I, as of now, I don't see it working that well, but of course, you know, these kinds of scandals are quite unpredictable. Well, you know, it's pretty yeah. funny you mentioned, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jack. No, I, I just wanted to say, you know, what Jesse just said at the end there, do we really see the attacks um which again have been you know pretty overt trying to tie kim Janey to the walsh administration do, do we see those working i mean i i think it's just like totally a, a dumb line of attack you know obviously a kim Janey was a city councilor um you know not direct like not deputy mayor or anything yeah or, you know a walsh appointee and also i i think everyone can kind of tell that kim Janey is pretty radically different than you know Marty Walsh from Boston. So Marty I, from Dorchester. I gotta, I gotta, yeah, I yeah. gotta wonder if, if those attacks, while I'm sure, like in theory, like you know, tying someone to Marty Walsh as he's being embroiled in the giant scandal is a smart idea, but I, I don't know if it's one that's necessarily going to stick. What do you guys think about that? Well, the problem is that Jack, and you're right because she's not, she wasn't lieutenant mayor, she wasn't vice mayor, she was the city council president. This is like the equivalent of you know Joe Biden. Uh, stepping down and Harris stepping down and then Pelosi becomes president, you know, this is the legislative body, not, you know, another executive. Um, you know, it's not Marty from Do Dorchester anymore. It's, it's Kim from Roxbury. Uh, you, you've thought you've honestly have a better shot of tying Asali George to, uh, to Walsh because you know, she supports most of Walsh's policies. She has most of uh, Walsh's uh, voter block, you know, Dorchester and parts of West Roxbury, which you need to win. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think Janie is trying her best to become someone else. And I think she's done a good job about that. Um, but that's just my opinion. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm definitely will be interested to see like where Walsh's voter block goes. As you mentioned, it's mainly Asabi George right now, but I mean, honestly, I, I could see that almost helping Janie if, if uh, that attack actually works in her favor by winning over Walsh voters. I could definitely see that happening. But yeah, I definitely think she's uh, uh, built her own brand to an extent. Um, she's not, she's definitely not the same as Marty Walsh. I don't think anyone 
would would say that now. Uh, I think she's I think she's Kim Janey, and I think she's running as Kim Janey. I think I think by using that line of attack, they're just demonstrating how little they have on Kim Janey. Like she's done nothing um, controversial so far. Um, she's been a pretty boring mayor because you know everything's great. People are getting vaccinated. People are getting back to work. People are hanging out in parks again. So, so I was back. You know, <laughs> Exactly. So everything's everything's swell, and the only attack they have is let's move on from Marty Walsh. There is one candidate I do want to talk about, and not so much him, but rather what his endorsers said. Now, this is John Santiago. Um, he's been out and about uh, in Fenway Park doing all the right things to become mayor. And, you know, he's shaking hands, which is what Martha Coakley should have done. Um, and doing all the right things. Uh, he represents, if I'm correct, he represented the South End of Boston. Now, na- because he was part of the House of Representatives for the 9th Suffolk, uh, naturally the House of Representatives decided to endorse him, or a, a good amount of the House of Representatives in Massachusetts. One of them being House Speaker Ron Mariano. And he said, you know, I'm worried, I hope I don't get my car hijacked in the street. Now, I know he meant it in jest, but to me, it felt like that one uncle that tells a really, really offensive joke, and he probably should stay away from talking anymore tonight. Um, I don't think it's going to hurt him at all. You know, he's in the lower tier, but what did you guys think of that comment and just the whole state house saying yes to Santiago? Well, I, I don't think it's the whole state house here. I mean, it was definitely, um, you know, Ron Mariano was the biggest get there, but uh, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong here, a majority of the Boston delegation um, is still on this race. You're right. Um, but I, I, I mean, I think it could have had the potential to hurt John Santiago if there was anything to really hurt. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be like a very serious issue just by virtue of the fact that, you know, none of the other candidates are looking to dogpile on, on poor John right now because it's looking a lot more likely that they're going to want to court his four percent five percent of voters in the next round rather than face off against him in the next round because i I think everyone can agree that that's something that's not likely to happen um i I do just want to say you know complete aside you gotta have high opinion of yourself to serve i'm pretty sure just one term in the state house before deciding that you're you're the guy who should be the next mayor of boston um so Props to John Santiago for having some chutzpah, but I, I don't really think that uh, that it's going to hurt him. Just you know, like I said, because he's not mm-hmm. going anywhere anytime soon. I think the good the good thing about what Ron Mariano said, I, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. The stuff and it's like <laughs> no one place. knew what the hell he was talking about. I, I think I think it was pretty much. You know, I think that was the highlight of John Santiago's candidacy. I think that's the most people are going to hear about this candidate. I think this is the most people are going to hear um, about <laughs> it's him. It's not even from him. It's all down. It's all downhill from here. Oh, um, poor John. No offense. You know, to not him. to not to trash on him too much. Maybe I was a little too rude. You know, it's our democracy is great because so many people run. Yada yada yada. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely not the best press. But I guess for a candidate in the lower tier, uh, all press is good press. So mm-hmm. maybe this is just the start of, of the inevitable Santiago momentum. <laughs> Who knows? You heard it here first. Yep. 
Santiago, number one on our COD cabin uh, power rankings. The, by the yeah, way, our, our power rankings are really going to shock people, guys. Yep. <laughs> by the way, we got to start making those uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, uh, any final thoughts? Because we are wrapping up here. Uh, Logan, you know, your, your final thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see some parallels here with the New York City mayor election going on right now. I mean, just looking at Santiago, he very much strikes me as like a like a Sean Donovan or Ray McGuire, who's kind of just sit there like a four or five percent, not, not, not really worth wow. attacking, not enough votes. And, you know, it's just worth trying to get into the second round and, and, and courting his voters late, later on. And I mean, yeah, we have three three candidates here. I don't know how close do you think Janie is like a Catherine Garcia, Michelle Wu's like an Andrew Yang. And does, does uh, that I, don't make, know, I don't know the wait, Logan. I does don't that make, think the analogy works that well. Does that make Dana Deputado uh, the uh, Morales of this race? Not even a little bit. That is, <laughs> that, is an insult to, uh, that is an insult to Morales, I think. But I think a good way to close out this episode yeah. um, would be kind of just throwing out who we think is going to make it to the. Uh, to the second round here. So I, I don't think this is a particularly hot take, but I, I would say that it's going to be Kim Janey and Michelle Wu at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with uh, either Janey Wu or George Wu. If Janey gets locked out, that would be. Yeah, then the whole website would turn on fire. Again, uh, Jesse and Logan, your takes. I guess, uh, I guess Janie Wu right now, I think uh, Asabi George's momentum is going to be fading uh, in oh. the next couple of months. All right. Um, yeah, I'm looking at that poll yesterday. It was from a progressive group, but, you know, I'd like to see more numbers before I start buying into the Asabi George momentum. Um, I think it's still Michelle Wu, Kim Janie, um, the big incumbent, and the woman who has... Um, probably the strongest political structure in all of Boston. Well, you heard it here first, folks, and thank you all for listening to the Cod Cabin. Join us next time where we talk about our beautiful Commonwealth, as we always do. Logan Rabe, Jesse Hahn, Jack Leary, and me, Adam Bass. Thank you, and good night.